I would invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Titus. And because some of you are slow, it'll take a few minutes for you to find it. And uh, it's right after Timothy. Does that help you? Didn't think so, but you can find it. And in just a moment. But I want to begin by pointing out a reference, an athletic reference to a man named Derek Redmond. In 1992, in the Barcelona Summer Olympics, he was favored to win, I believe, and he was coming in the home stretch when he tore his hamstring. And in so doing, he just hobbled and hobbled. The coaches came down to try to help him get off the field. He pushed them away. And then, as he's in the home stretch, hobbling and hopping to try to finish the finish line, a man burst out of the stands. This man, go ahead and show the picture if you would, Ashley. This man, uh, his daddy, had on his hat, just do it. And his shirt said, have you hugged your kid today? Well, he said to his boy, you don't have to finish this race. Redmond said, yes, I do. He said, well, we'll do it together. They say the crowd clapped, and then they cheered, then they stood, and then they wept as daddy and son walk across the finish line. Well, that's a powerful story, isn't it? But the text we're going to see today shows that God did the same thing for us. He sent his son to come down out of the grandstand of heaven to come and run with us through life. Our text is one of the most powerful in all of the Word of God. Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. For it shows God doing the same thing for us that Derek Redmond's daddy did for him. Look with me, and I pray that as we read this text, that you will sense God wrapping his loving arms around you. That you will sense his love and what he did for you. Titus 2. It's one of my favorites. Yes, you can go ahead and laugh if you want to because I say that every Sunday about every scripture. But it's one of my favorites because it's one of the most succinct encapsulations of the gospel story you'll ever find anywhere. In these verses, it tells why he did what he did and how he did what he did. What does it say? It says, for the grace of God has appeared with salvation unto all people. King James says, for the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all. Instructing us, teaching us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in this present age. While we wait. For what? While we wait for the blessed hope. The glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. The great God and Savior Jesus Christ. And then verse 14. He gave himself for us. Why? To redeem us from how much? From all lawlessness. And to cleanse for himself a special people eager to do good works. Wow. 
As I said, very few passages in all the scripture encapsulate the summary of the great salvation that God has given us. And I won't preach long today, but I ask you to listen while I do. Because what I've got to say is God has great, the salvation, the great salvation He's given us has powerful consequence for our past. It, it has absolute rich implications for our present and glorious prospects for our future. So the salvation that Jesus offers in this one passage shows that He touches our past, our present, and our future. It's powerful. Paul is writing under the leadership of God's Holy Spirit to young Titus. And in so doing, he instructs us powerfully and tells us about what I would call today kingdom salvation. Now two weeks ago, three weeks ago maybe, I started preaching on the kingdom of God. We looked at Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So we began looking at what does it mean to be a kingdom person. But we must today go into what does it mean to have kingdom salvation. What does it mean to have kingdom salvation? And I want you to look at this with me today and see first of all that salvation has significance for the past. Praise God it has significance for our past. You see, the Bible here says, particularly in verse 14, that He came to save us from all unrighteousness. And so, He came to redeem us from all wickedness, verse 14. And it doesn't matter if we're talking yesterday, or last year, or earlier in your life. It's never too late to repent. It's never too late to seek forgiveness from God. Because why? He came to save us from all unrighteousness. Somebody say all with me. Now Paul uses to Titus here the word all number of times. And let me tell you something. I, I am not a Greek scholar. I did study it for many, many years. I minored it in college. I took it in seminary. I know it somewhat. And I do know what all means in Greek. Do you know what it means? It means all, John. And it means the same thing in Greek that it means in English. All. And so he came to do what? To redeem us from some lawlessness? No. All lawlessness. And to cleanse for himself a special people eager to do what is right. So God came to save us from our past. And it's good news that He sent an innocent, pure substitute who has been provided for us. Paul wrote in another place and said, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Our past can be redeemed through the work of Christ wouldn't you agree we've, trans, we've already traversed through half of this year of 2021? Time is flying. Remember I taught you the Latin phrase, tempus fugit. And let me tell you something, this year needs to be redeemed. This year needs to be redeemed. Someone put up a meme and said, 2021, how did 2020 work out for you? Well, 2020 was a rough year. 2021 is a rough 
year. And it needs to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The past can be redeemed through the work of Christ. We've missed a lot of opportunities. We've missed a lot of opportunities for growth, for witness. We've missed a lot of opportunities for ministry. And it's time to say, God, forgive me from my past. Forgive me of my past. Somebody say amen to that. We need it, don't we? I need it, don't we? As I stood there with Michelle at the body of her husband last night. She asked a question which many people will ask. Because if you knew David Jenkins, you say, why did God choose to take the good ones? I say, well, Michelle, I don't know, honey. But God needs good people up there just like He needs sorry people like me. He needs all kinds, doesn't He? And He decided to take him home. Oh, friends, let me tell you something. I pray God will forgive me of my past, don't you? You see, salvation has significance for our past. He wipes it away. He came that He might redeem us from all lawlessness and might cleanse for Himself a special people. Salvation has significance for the past. That's kingdom salvation. My Jesus takes care of sin. But salvation also has significance for our present. Salvation has significance for our present. A little girl was talking to her little brother. Sounds like something my little granddaughter would say. She said, now listen, yesterday's the past, and tomorrow is the future, and today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. I thought, well, she may not have all her understandings right, but she's got a good point, and that's a wonderful way to look at life. But you see, too many people see Christ as a spiritual funeral director. Somebody that's there to take care of you when you die. Maybe. But let me tell you something. He's more than a spiritual funeral director. He came to affect your present. Isn't that what he says in the last few words of verse 12? He says to live a sensible, righteous, and godly life in this what? present age you see too many people see God's grace as only something that is applicable for the future but it's applicable right now this passage shows us that salvation is a present ongoing experience look at verse 12 this is something that should affect you more than just a salvation experience when you were a little girl or a little boy This is something supposed to affect you right now. And the Bible says God continually teaches us. Teaches us to say yes to Him and no to ungodliness. So salvation is a present, ongoing experience. God's grace is not just to save you, but it's to sanctify you. It's to take you from where you are right now and to help you go where you need to be. God has a plan for you. I tell everybody I lead to Christ. God wants to save you from hell, but God also wants to save you from yourself. You see, he doesn't, Satan's greatest desire is to see you stay lost. But if he loses that battle, he wants to keep you weak. God's great desire is that you be saved and you be strong. 
at the same time. And that happens in this present ongoing experience. But we also see a negative side to God's grace. It's to help us say no to that which is wrong. What does he say? He instructs us. So this is what we call an anthropomorphic expression where God's grace is seen as a teacher teaching us to say yes to godliness but no to ungodliness. To say no to that which is wrong. That's the negative side of God's purpose to repudiate ungodly attitude, activities, even ambitions. Peter says it in another way. Peter says that the soul is at war. Excuse me, that desires war against the soul and prevent us from becoming what God wants us. When we studied the book of Philippians, we saw Paul say to Philippi, urging them to work out their salvation on a day-by-day basis, that God would be at work within them and they realized their potential. That's what God wants. He wants us to live a kingdom salvation in this present age. So it's the will of the Father to do what? That we live productive, upright, godly lives. He wants us to let the law of heaven become the law of our hearts even now. Brother David Jenkins, it passed. Never heard an unkind word from the man. Never heard an unhappy word from the man. Struggling in the worst kind of situation. But he let the law of heaven rule his mind. God wants us to let the law of heaven rule our minds. See, heaven is a way of life that we're supposed to adopt now. How are you living? You ought to be living a kind of heavenly lifestyle now as we get ready for the day when he'll call us home. Salvation is not just for the past. It is not just for the future. It's for the now. And most of us fail to see the implications of what he's trying to teach us in this present time. Somebody say amen. Kingdom salvation. But last we see it has great implications for the future. We see it has great implications for the future. Great significance. Look at verse 13. Yes, being saved includes a present membership in the family of God. But it also has future implications when by the power of God we shall experience glorified bodies, resurrection, and entrance into the kingdom in a far more full way than now we even experience. We shall see the redemption of our bodies as we anticipate that day when Jesus comes back. What does it say, verse 13? While we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. King James, I think, says our glorious God and Savior Jesus Christ. Oh, my friends, it has significance for the future. We're waiting for Him, aren't we? We're waiting for Him. Now, I've told you, I tease some of you, I've been in the ministry a little over 140 years Okay, that's slight hyperbole, but not much. I cannot tell you the number of times in those 140-some years where people have predicted the end, the end of time. I mean, I've seen it over and over and over. 100,000 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1984. And then they redid the book, 100,000 reasons why he's coming back in 85. 
And they kept going on and on as they missed the date. And then when we approached the millennium, 2000, whoo, my goodness, everybody went crazy. First of all, they thought the computers were going to all stop. Our administrator, my church where I was, he was going crazy. Went out and bought a generator and bought all kinds of food. And he said, oh, the computers are going to stop. You know what I said to him, Brother Terry? I hope so. What? I said, oh, I hope so. I hope my phone quits working and I hope the computers all fail. He didn't know how to take me, so he just walked off. He said, what are you going to do December 31st? I said, I'm going to go to sleep about 10 o'clock at night like I do every uh, night. And I'll wake up next morning early saying, thank you, Jesus, for another day. People have always predicted the coming of Christ. But he says, we, our job is to wait and be ready. Wait and be ready while we wait for the blessed hope. The appearing, that word in Greek is parousia. The coming, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is coming back. So he assures us of the certainty of his coming. And instead of it being a frightening experience, it's going to be a graceful experience. Oh, I wait for that day. I want that day to come. Lord Jesus, come. It says, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come. So salvation, friends, has significance for our past. I'm grateful. Significance for our present. I'm grateful. Significance for our future. I'm grateful on the sh basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So in the future, when you talk about somebody getting saved, you realize it means far more than you ever thought it did. It means that person's safe from their past. They're safe for the present. They're safe for the future. It means far more than we could ever have imagined. But I must ask you this question. What has changed in you? How is God working in your present reality right now to work in your life? What areas of your life have you yet to submit to Him that He might do what He wants done in you? Oh, my friends, kingdom salvation means God's still doing a work. Now we've sang some beautiful patriotic songs today. We've got bunting up. I think that's what you call that stuff. Tim is so excited on July the 4th. He's like a kid at Christmas time. And we've had a wonderful time recognizing the freedoms God has given us. But let me tell you something. The United States of America is getting worse and worse and worse. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. What do we need? We need men, women, boys, and girls who have kingdom salvation. Who know what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Who live like citizens of the kingdom of God. And don't be shocked as our world continues to fade into darkness. But we're going to be kingdom men and kingdom women. Living out a kingdom salvation. Right? Amen. Amen. Pray with me please. Father God in Jesus name we do come. Thanking you for your powerful precious word. Father, we need you desperately. We need you more than we've ever needed you as a nation. But God, right now we have to speak personally and say we've never needed you more than we need you now. And so God, save us from our past. Save us in the present. And save us in the future. So Father God, I pray in Jesus' name.
that you would speak to every heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl here, recognizing that salvation has come to them today. And you're calling through your Holy Spirit the lost to give their lives to you, the saved to submit their present and future to you. So Lord, we need that to happen even today. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen.